Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast right here on NewstalkFlorida.com and also BlogTalkRadio.com. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief for News Talk Florida, joined by the panel, as always, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, and up I-95, Alan Steinberg. Gentlemen, last night we all had an opportunity to see a very interesting and one and only vice presidential debate. And after watching it, I think we now know why they only have to have one vice presidential debate. I think uh, do they even, from do they even have to have one? Yeah, that was. I I guess Pence won. Um, I would I would give him that because he didn't shout as much as as Kane. Um, Tim Kane, go 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 easy on the caffeine, my man. Uh, this, that way, I did not see him being that that crazy. Uh, it was just it was he was rude. Um, he was shrill, and um, about halfway through, he was unwatchable, in my opinion. Yeah, Joe, I I agree. I I, I think Pence won the debate being being calm and and the grown-up in the room, but I, I, Tim Kaine is not that guy. I mean, he has never before been that guy, and I almost think that the campaign asked him to be something that he was not, and, and he overreacted to it. I, that's, that's the best defense that I can come up with because I have, I, I've seen a little bit of Tim Kaine over the years, and I have never seen him like that. He's a, he's a pretty good, sedate Middle of the road politician from very respectful Virginia, and he just like he was like somebody had set his hair on fire. Um, that was just weird, just weird. It completely weird and unnecessary because yeah, uh, yeah, it it seeded the you know the high road uh, to his opponent, and that just I. It was a if that and I do believe that's plausible what you're suggesting. It was a dubious strategy. And uh, I have a uh, I have a slightly different take. I think that I agree with you that uh, Kane's interruptions were annoying, and uh, I think it hurt him stylistically. I think he was probably advised, by the way, by Joe Biden, not Joe O. Biden, Joe Biden, <laughs> to engage in that kind of strategy because that's what Biden did when he debated Paul Ryan. But I have a different take on a debate. I think stylistically, Mike Pence won, and I think Mike Pence may well be headed towards the Republican presidential nomination in 2020. One of the big losers last night, I think, was Ted Cruz watching Mike Pence do so well. But in terms of strategy, for the ultimate election strategy, I think Tim Kaine won because he had one objective in mind, and that was to discredit Donald Trump. Now, Mike Pence is a very good man. I think he'd be a good president, unlike Donald Trump, who I think would be a disaster. 
but I think Mike Pence did not defend Trump. He didn't defend Trump because he couldn't. He couldn't defend the indefe- uh, the indefensible. And uh, that's why Cain uh, kept going at him so hard, kept interrupting. He overdid it. But I think if you looked at the post-debate polls, it shows that Pence won the debate 48 to 42. But in terms of defending their particular candidates, Hillary Clinton in the case of Cain and Donald Trump in the case of Pence, the margin was big that Cain uh, did the better job of defending uh, his presidential candidate. So. I think there were two winners. There was one winner last night, Mike Pence, but the big loser was Donald Trump. And if you look at the polls today, they don't reflect the debate last night. He's in free fall in a lot of states. He's in free fall in Pennsylvania. He's in free fall in North Carolina. He's even losing in Ohio now, a state I thought he would win. That's Alan Steinberg Uh, along with Joe Anderson and Tom Jackson here on the Politically Incorrect podcast. And I interrupted someone. Who did I interrupt? Go ahead. I was going to say, and, and Trump is in free fall in Florida, too. And, uh, right. you know, so uh, point taken. But, Tom, I would go back to a point you made that that that, that was not the Tim Kaine you know. And by all accounts, that is true. Unfortunately, uh, for how many people tuned in last night, that is now the Tim Kaine they know. Because sure, absolutely. A lot yeah. of them don't have a working relationship with him. So only about ninety four percent of the people watching. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 the thing is the I the lack of audience probably benefited him a little bit. Cause I, I haven't seen viewing numbers, but let's just say it it's 40 probably to fifty not. million. All right. Well that's not an insignificant number, but it's still about half of what tuned in uh, to Clinton Trump. And let's face it, uh, as much as we like to pretend it's important, it was the vice presidential debate. And God willing, uh, neither of those two uh, who were on the stage last night will will sit in the Oval Office uh, in the next four years. So, And I'll add something on to that. Uh, I've never seen a bad vice presidential debate performance negatively impact the ticket. I mean, Dan Quayle gave a performance in 1988 that was a catastrophe, and George H.W. Bush won a landslide. Yeah, that's a good point. Welcome to the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief, Newstop, Florida. With me, the panel, Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, Alan Steinberg, uh, and Tom Jackson, you wrote a very interesting piece on uh, News Top Florida about Marco Rubio. And uh, why don't you uh, give us a little insight in it? It was quite entertaining. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you liked it. Um, well, the uh, the Democratic Senatorial uh, Campaign Committee announced last week that they were backing off on an ad buy that they had planned for early October, and they're going to have another look. Uh, in the second half of October to see whether they ought to be buying ads on behalf of Patrick Murphy or whether his stock is in such decline that there's no there's no way that he could that he could beat uh, Marco Rubio in that race for the U.S. Senate. And they should send their their precious um, uh, resources elsewhere where they have a better chance of knocking off a Republican or two. Um, but what this what this struck me as this this term of events, it's, it's a subtle change, but it's an important one because it says that 
This seat that uh, five months ago Democrats were really counting on making a run at to help tilt the Senate to their in, in, in their direction uh, is one that's now looking like it's out of their grasp. Uh, Mason Dixon came out with a poll uh, that shows um, Rubio up by seven. He's outperforming Donald Trump in Florida by seven or eight points. Um, so this is this is not a this is not a race that looks good for Democrats anymore. And having lost the opportunity to, to, to take Florida, to flip Florida, it makes the the road to getting the majority and having uh, majority leader uh, Chuck Schumer all the more difficult. But uh, what we're also seeing is is a resurgence of of Marco as uh, as a guy who is a really is, despite what happened to him in the primaries, uh, in the presidential primaries, he is a, a once-in-a-generation political talent. And I have seen him in, in rooms where, at banquets, where he begins to speak, and, and as I wrote in the piece, everybody stops. The wait staff, uh, he, he, has the, he has the attention of the people that he's there to, to talk to, and he has them in the palm of his hand. But I have seen wait staff who represent working class, low income folks of all sorts of ethnicities just come to a stop clearing dishes and serving dessert, and they will they will stand there and just listen to him. I was at I was at a banquet one time in Newport Ritchie, where even the clatter of dishes inside the kitchen stopped, and the and the and the kitchen staff came out, poked their heads through the door, and listened to this guy. Uh, he, he's really got a, a, a comparing a compelling narrative, and he weaves it so well with his policy prescriptions. I don't think we've seen the last of it. And my and my point in the, the bottom line point of the column is that Florid, Floridians are not holding against him. That he's saying, yeah, I may not go the full six years. They, we are Florida is like a a, a mid level market with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to grab a first-round pick that we know we probably can't re-sign, but we'll take him for the length of the contract and then wish him the best when he moves on to better things. So Jameis Rubio is uh, your franchise, <laughs> basically your That's franchise right. politician there in, in the state of Florida. I think, I think that's right with the possible exception of Adam Putnam. Okay. Uh, the question, if he translated so well, if he translated so well, Tom, in the state, and I have no reason to doubt you, um, and, and you know, I've heard him myself, he's a very compelling guy. What happened on the campaign you know, primary trail? Well, he got whacked by about 100, well, not 100 million, because Jeb didn't have 100 million to spend in the primaries, but he got whacked by a good 50 to 70 million dollars of of Jeb advertising, try to knock him out so that he so that Jeb would be the only guy standing, the only the only reasonable conservative standing between uh, between Trump and the nomination, and that just and that wound up not working for Jeb, and it wound up not working for for Marco either. Um, and he was and what happened also was New Hampshire. I mean, he got he got programmed into that one response about what. The, the that debate response where he said right. what he said over and over again about Obama is not doing this because he's incompetent he's doing it because he wants to um and and those the two Chris things Christie moment 
Yes, his Chris Christie moment. I mean, uh, Chris Christie <laughs> kneecapped him on the way to picking up his shoe shine box for Donald Trump, um, and and <laughs> just and the combination of of being whacked in the knees by Christie and having been pummeled by all of Jeb's advertising were just too much going into Florida. And by then, Trump, for God knows what reason, still had a full head of steam, and that was that. Will there be any? Um, any more power f- position left in uh, in the state for? I'm not necessarily saying running for office, but uh, you know, at least statesman power position for for Jeb Bush. Is he going to be still around, or is uh, is that reign over? I don't, know. Joe. What do you think? I I I, I still think that Jeb is a fairly compelling figure. But I think that this was his shot. Even though we've got, even though we've got candidates running for president now who are older than Jeb will be in 2020, I think he'll be have been out of the limelight, out of elective office for too long to even make a, a, a Nixon-like comeback. I yeah, I, I'm I would be stunned if he uh, tried to make another political comeback. I just don't really think that's in his nature and um but as far as a as a future as a a leader of some sort maybe an elder statesman mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of republicans and jeb bush could be one of them waiting there with a broom to sweep up the mess after november 8th uh if if yeah. the election goes as we think it will and yeah there's going to be a, a conga line of mainstream republicans going we tried to warn you, and you wouldn't listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. you know, now come back home, guys. Let's let's get this right next time, and make right. Hillary Clinton a, a one-term president. But I Alan, think that's something working? else to consider. Go ahead, I think Alan. I was going to ask you. Go ahead. Go okay. ahead, Alan. Uh, I think the Republican. It's interesting when I'm looking ahead, and I have little doubt, uh, barring some kind of debate meltdown, health crisis, or a major gap, or revelation Hillary Clinton will win. I don't think that Hillary Clinton, I know her, I've worked with her. I think she'll be able to work with the Republican uh, House. And if the Republicans hold the Senate, I think she'll be able to work there. And she's more of a compromiser and pragmatist than people think. I know that personally. But I think the real problem is going to be within the Republican Party. I think this is a party that is at real risk of a crack up between the alt-right, which are going to be all the Trump guys like Steve Bannon and and others of uh, that type, and the center right. And I agree with what uh, Thomas said and uh, what Joe has said, that uh, Jeb Bush is going to play a spokesman role at that. I have always had the feeling, I'm an admirer of Jeb Bush. I started off the campaign uh, supporting him until it became clear to me that he was no longer viable, and I moved over to Ted Cruz in the hope of stopping Donald Trump. Uh, But having said all that, uh, I don't know if Jeb Bush really had it in him to run this time. You know, he ran because everyone uh, in in terms of the establishment was encouraging him to run. And he had no clue, I had no clue, of the revolt of the uh, working-class whites within the Republican Party, working-class white males within the Republican Party. It really caught everybody up short. And uh, so he was a victim of that. And I don't think, uh, you know, I I know a lot of the key people around uh, the Bushes, and I work for the Bushes. 
I don't think anyone uh, would dream of him running again. But I agree with both uh, Joe and Tom. He will have a role. He will be one of the prominent people in the center right. Alan, do you see any of the um, the twelve that uh, that ran and failed? Is there, um, you know, who are the likely ones to come back? Other than we've well, already I think, established. I think we saw them. I was just going to say I, we just established uh, Rubio would be one of them. Likely, no uh, Jeb. And you think it I would think be the front runner? The front runner is the guy you saw last night, Mike Pence. He had a great night for himself for his future. He's not going to be vice president, but I think he's going to be the front runner for 2020. Uh, now, what's interesting, though, what never got out last night, and I'm not saying this in either pro or anti Mike Pence vein, he is a very despised figure among the uh, lesbian, uh, gay, transsexual community. They despise him with everything in their being. And uh, that community is not just within the Democratic Party. There's a substantial segment within the Republican Party, and uh, they'll be working against him at the polls. But I think he starts off as the front runner. I think Ted Cruz is going to be out there again. I think that's why he's willing to swallow a lot of personal pride to help uh, Trump in these uh, debates. And uh, I think that uh, they're, you know, in terms of the uh, 12, well, Chris Christie's finished. Bridgegate is taking care of him. Uh, but there there may be others. Uh, there may be others, too. I Rubio, I think he's young enough to wait and to uh, lick his wounds and uh, sit back for a while. He's young enough, but he's not patient enough. I think he wants That's to get true. right back, right back in the pool. And uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that he really needs to. He needs to. He, he needs to run his six years. He needs to work for whoever the Republican nominee is in 2020. He needs to either run, if he does anything, run as vice president, or wind up in a cabinet position if they if they manage to to bump off uh, Hillary Clinton. And I don't mean that in the, in the literal yes. uh, gangland. Thing. <laughs> uh, but, you know, by, by this time, work his narrative, do some stuff, make some accomplishments. And then at the ripe old age of 56, you know, like 10 years from now, then put that all together and run as, as the seasoned nominee I mean, don't be president when you're 45 or 46 or 50 years old and then have the rest of your life to say, well, what do I do now? I mean, Barack Obama, poor fellow, he's going to have the same problem. What's he going to do after this unless he gets – unless he's the secretary general of the, of the UN or, or Hillary names him to the Supreme Court? I mean, he's, he's going to be he'll, like uh, – he's got nowhere else to go. There's only he's so many rounds of golf you can play with Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're listening to the Politically Incorrect podcast right here on News Talk Florida and Blog Talk Radio. Uh, I'm Jim Williams, Washington Bureau Chief for News Talk Florida, joined by Alan Steinberg, Tom Jackson, Joe Henderson. We're going to step aside, take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about the upcoming debate on Sunday night when uh, the folks are going to sit down and have a lovely opportunity to talk to voters themselves in an up close and personal style debate we'll see who how we can help we're going to we're going to give debate coaching to both sides when we get back <laughs> welcome back to the politically incorrect podcast i'm jim williams 
your host, News Talk Florida's Washington Bureau Chief, joined by Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, Alan Steinberg. Uh, before the break, we promised, because we are, we are nothing if not helpers. We are here to help, not the government, but we are here to help. And the goal here is to try to help the two candidates do better at their debating style. And now, of course, this coming time around, we have uh, Martha Raddus and uh, Anderson Cooper because it's a uh, town hall type debating situation. And so they'll ask questions. And then, of course, obviously, so will the uh, the audience. So let's um, let's put on our thinking caps, boys, and let's start with uh let's start helping donald trump in his debate how can we make him a better debater in this particular forum which is really kind of an up close and personal thing you're you're sitting there and you're 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 really connecting with the people now we know that both of them had an opportunity to do this during the um, campaign season not a lot but some they actually i think Clinton did a lot more because the Democrats did a lot of town hall stuff on the uh, on both uh, CNN and MSNBC as opposed to necessarily debating. And um, I know Trump did some on Fox and did a couple with uh, MSNBC. So anyway, they have some history with it. And of course, they did the commander in chief's thing. So with all that in mind, um uh, let's go to Alan. You go first. You're coaching Donald Trump. What are you going to ask him and tell him to do? <laughs> do I have to? For the purposes of this show, I will. For the purposes of uh, entertainment, was... this is what you're doing. <laughs> and I love entertaining on this show. I'm going to tell you what I would advise him. I'm not kidding. I would tell him to watch some films of Bill Clinton doing town halls. Bill Clinton is the master of showing empathy uh, to questioners. And I usually didn't think he was that sincere, but he certainly came over that way. Uh, that's something that does not come naturally uh, to Donald Trump. And I would also tell him to really guard his temper and really display a uh, mastery of the issues and not be unwilling to apologize. He never apologizes for anything. Uh, and uh, I think if he showed some humility yet he showed some self-assurance at the same time. He would be much better off, but that may be asking too much of him. Tom, any uh, ideas? Well, very much along the lines of, of, what, of what Alan has laid out. What Donald Trump needs most at this point is to be self-deprecating and to not take things so seriously and to not feel like he has to, not feel like he has to, to lash out at every shortcoming that comes his way, whether it's real or imagined. I mean, there, there, there were a dozen ways to have handled the Miss Universe thing without flying off the handle and tweeting about it three and four days later. Um, he needs to be a guy who's willing to say, "Look, I'm from New York. I come from a hard scrabble background. We do things. I, I come from an old man." who did things old school. I am old school. Sometimes I stray into real estate developer speak, and I say things that I shouldn't say on these public stages, and I wish you could forgive me for that because I want you to know I'm on your side, and I will bring the kind of grit 
and determination that I've brought to all of my enterprises to the, 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 uh, the, the policy of making America better, making America great. But it, it, he has to start from a place of humility. All of our great presidents, including the greatest of them, George Washington, came from a place of humility, even as he knew that he was, as King George III said, the greatest man in the world, he was first and foremost a guy who was circumspect about the way others perceived him. And, this, and Donald Trump is a guy who now wants to have the most powerful job in the world, and Americans who are on the fence are not going to come out in the numbers to, to support him, necessary to win the election, unless he shows that humility. That's one of the great things that, I mean, as robotic and as programmed, and I guess robotic and programmed is a repetition, but as, as programmed as Hillary is, she gives you a sense that she understands, that, that she empathizes with who she's talking to, whether it's one person or an entire audience. If Trump could show that humility, show that he is willing to be def- self-deprecating, make jokes about himself, I saw a great tweet that uh, after after his accountant said that uh, that that Donald Trump didn't know the first thing about the tax code that he always relied on his accountant. Uh, a guy with a parody account said, "Yeah, my under, my um, my accountant understood the tax code. I'm the guy who lost a billion dollars. Dumb." And you know he he needs to do that sort of thing. If he could do that, it would really sweeten the pot for him, I think. And that's. And in a town hall setting, that's the best place to do it. If you can show, if you can fake empathy in a town hall meeting, then you're pretty much home free. Joe, you got your coaching hat on? Uh, yeah. Um, first off, uh, to Tom's point, if he shows empathy uh, at this stage of the game and is the kinder, gentler Donald Trump, people will know he's faking it. Because that he has just spent what fifteen months or however long this thing's been going on insulting and all the other stuff that we know about. Now here's the hole that Donald Trump is in. I was looking at uh, the latest projections on Nate Silver's 538 uh, blog. Hillary is he now gives her a 75% chance of winning the election. Uh, states that we thought were in play. Uh, could go Donald Trump's way, who now are trending heavily toward uh, Hillary Clinton. Uh, He gives Hillary a 62% chance of winning Florida. She's got, uh, in North Carolina, a 58% chance, and and so on and so forth. She's headed for a, uh, by his projection, 315 electoral votes. Okay, that's a landslide by any stretch of the imagination. So Trump's challenge, and it's, it, it, it's kind of a, uh, he needs like two Hail Mary passes in the final minute, I believe, uh, to pull this off. But yeah, he's got to show that uh, he, is, he is not going to be the insulter in chief. Because here's the problem that, here, that he runs into. If he does what Tom says and goes, you know what, I'm a business guy. That's how we talk in New York. Uh, first off, that opens the door for Hillary to go, uh, I was a senator from New York, and no, we don't. And number two, people would then rightly ask, okay, Donald, uh, maybe you can 
tame it for a night here on a you know on a town hall debate stage for a couple of hours but how do we know that you're not going to say something stupid uh to a to a foreign leader and get us into a war how do we know that or or that you know you're not going to cause a uh a financial collapse by saying something stupid um, at some point in, in, in your four year term. So what, what's he got to do? He's got to hope that there's some sort of Vulcan mind meld out there that will make people forget everything he's done up to this point. And then maybe he can start fresh. Other than that, I don't think he's got a shot. That's the worst coaching job ever. Uh, you know what? <laughs> I, You're I, supposed I, to I've coach watched, him up. You're not supposed to tell him he's hopeless. I, I've watched enough Buck games to know that's probably how their game plans are put together. <laughs> well, I, I must say, though, that Tom Tom gave some very good coaching advice, but the odds are overwhelming that Donald Trump would never listen to. Well, yeah, you don't want to make a guy play out of his, you know, beyond his limitations. Trump, Trump can't be that guy. So, so he can't throw him around right. the field. That's that. That would be like asking uh, Jack to throw in Samoan Thompson uh, to be Tom Brady. He can't do it, you know. And and Trump Trump didn't get the nomination by being the person Tom says he should be. And and I'll concede that I think it'd be great if he was that person. I would I would dearly love it, but I wouldn't believe it at this point. And that's that's his biggest problem. Is nobody well, I'll even say if something. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm I'll sorry. say something halfway in. I'll say something halfway in between that. You're right. You're both right. But the really good candidates I have seen over the years were the ones who somehow managed to discipline themselves, in spite of uh, their better or worse nature. Uh, I saw this happen actually. There was an interesting situation in New Jersey in 2001. Uh, Brett Schundler, who had a great future in politics, but really blew it in the uh, fall campaign against Jim McGreevy. He was the mayor of Jersey City. He was uh, beloved by uh, the Bush people at the White House. Everyone said, this is the guy. And he was trailing in the primary, and they were having a focus group. And the idea of the focus group was to bring out all the negative feelings that people had about him. And he stood there in an adjacent room watching the focus group, and he started yelling, they don't know this about me. They don't know that about me. And his, uh, <laughs> his, consultants, his consultants had a heart attack. They said and they got furious at him, and they sat him down. They said, listen, you fool. We are having this focus group to find out what the negatives are on you so we can deal with them. Now, if you ever do that again, we're all walking away from this campaign. If you want to have a chance to, to win, you're going to have to listen to the negatives. And he behaved a totally different way, and he ended up winning the primary in a landslide. Then he got into the general election, and he became totally undisciplined in the debates and other forums. So it's necessary for a candidate to discipline himself or herself. I think Hillary Clinton actually does that to a certain extent. I can tell a lot of times that the Donald may be getting under her skin, but she really has a good self-discipline. If she loses that self-discipline in the town hall, she could be in trouble. I think a few times against Bernie Sanders, she seemed to lose that discipline. As I've said in this broadcast before, I know what her staff used to tell me. She would be more irritated by people on the left than on the right. But as long as she holds that discipline, she'll be fine. Okay, well, now we swap that... over and Coach Joe, you get to coach uh, 
Hillary Clinton on on Sunday night. Well, thanks. And um, what I what I would say is, I think Hillary Clinton did exactly what Alan just suggested. Trump needs to do. You've you've heard her say, uh, "I know that I'm too wooden as a speaker, and I know." Uh, I really shouldn't give all these detailed answers out there to people. She has shown that ability to make fun of herself, which I think has humanized her uh, to a great extent. So what I liked about her last performance was she was Teflon. There was nothing Trump could say that rattled her. So what I would tell her is be prepared for him to be civil and you already know how to handle him um, when he goes when he goes off. So if he's civil, be civil right back. And you know, yes, there will be people uh, applauding afterwards that see Donald Trump can do it, but don't let them see you uh, stoop to his level, which is kind of takes us back to the VP debate last night, and and what I believe the mistake uh, that Tim Kaine made. Don't don't make that mistake. And you're in the White House. Tom, you want to coach um, Hillary Clinton a little bit, or what do you, do you well, got I, any I think, suggestions? I, I think you, you, I think you don't fix what isn't broken. Uh, Hillary's campaign performance last week, after after the first 25 minutes or so, when she withstood that barrage of of, of attacks from, that I think landed some some pretty pretty substantial blows uh, from Trump. After she weathered the, that early barrage of punches, uh, she she was even keel, and then on top of things for the balance of the of the of the ninety minutes, um, she needs to she needs to pro if if Trump comes out um, uh, as 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 I've recommended being self-deprecating and disciplined and 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 thoughtful and speaks in complete sentences and doesn't interrupt himself. Uh, Time and time again, with, with his with his thought flow, she needs to also remain reasonable, but have in her quiver three or four nice zingers to lay in from time to time, because we know that his skin is thin, and we need to, and she needs to probe and test and see if 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 she can pierce the facade of the new uh, of the new reasonable Donald Trump. And expose him as not as, as just being a guy who's playing a role for that one night, and he comes unhinged in the last even 15 minutes. Then the American people will say, "See, even when he's playing the role, he can't pull it off. I don't think he should be president." And and from there, she slides. She I mean, she is just downhill all the way. Alan. I think she has to be prepared substantively for something that didn't happen last time. And that is an attack on uh, her actions as Secretary of State. She did make mistakes, uh, and uh, they've been the subject of uh, articles in Libya. And uh, also, although she, I think Tim Kaine gave a good defense last night of the Iran, Iranian deal. It was probably the best defense of the Iranian deal I've seen amidst all of his interrupting and screaming and everything else. Uh, but I think she has to be prepared to defend herself on foreign policy and admit aspects that were mistaken, but what she has learned from them. At the same time, in a very calm and measured way, 
she needs to counterattack Donald Trump for his biggest weakness, uh, two biggest weaknesses on foreign policy. Number one, uh, his seeming affection for authoritarian rulers like Vladimir Putin. And number two, his isolationism. Uh, I think uh, if she admits her own mistakes while pointing out her strengths as Secretary of State and launches a very measured uh, counterattack against Donald Trump for his isolationism and uh, his lack of sensitivity on authoritarianism, I think it could give her an even bigger boost than the first debate gave her. I think the the one thing, because it is a – a town hall debate, and you're going to have an opportunity where questions are going to come to you from uh, an audience, uh, something we saw in the Commander-in-Chief's forum. Uh, she had a tendency to go you know, rather long and rather uh, deep into the answers, kind of like the old adage, you know, ask me what time it is, and she'll tell you how to build a watch. Um, I would suggest rather than playing the Dean Smith four corners, she actually get a shot, a shot clock and uh, learn to do those answers quicker and get to the point faster so that she can get through those questions um, more succinctly. And I think that would be of, of assistance to her. I agree. I think, I think she did that in the last debate though. I noticed that she was more, uh, focused and and less meandering on on a, on her remarks. So, uh, you know, obviously that's been something she's been grilled on. And as, as uh, one of the great lines of the night was where she said, "I think I've just been criticized for debate prep." And and yes, I did. <laughs> I did prepare. So and she'll be prepared this time. Um, not expecting anything different. All right, boys. Time for last call. Joe, you you got it because you um, put on your coach's hat and did some coaching today. So final call on you. What's up? Uh, what are you looking for this week? Well, um, nothing uh, political especially. Obviously, I'll watch the debate. Uh, right now, I'm looking at a crazy hurricane out in the Atlantic that is uh, uh, scaring the tar out of a lot of people and wreaking havoc all over the place. and Um, If the model we saw today about it boomeranging uh, back toward the uh, U.S. coast and maybe Florida after it goes out into the Atlantic is correct, uh, we could be in for a long, rough ride over the next several days. So, uh, you know, if you got prayers, say them, and if you got good vibes, send them, because I think there's a lot of people in harm's way right now. Thomas. But, uh, Joe, we should point out that we are on the side of Florida that is unlikely to to get much of an impact on this first half. So say those prayers for the East Coast folks. Um, they are going to need them. It looks like a whopper of a storm. Um, my wife sent me to get supplies last night, and I said, how much Vienna sausage shall I bring home? And she said, absolutely none. So I got wine and beer. So, um, But, uh, but on, a political, <laughs> on a political note um, – I saw I saw one glorious tweet. We've we've talked a lot on this podcast about what happens to the Republican Party after uh, after the Donald Trump likely fiasco on November the eighth. And uh, I, the, the the best tweet that I saw on all of it was 
in reaction to to Mike Pence's debate. We're going. The Republicans are going to pretend like it never happened, and we're just going to move on. I, I'm hoping that that's a strategy that works. It worked for Bobby Ewing in Dallas. <laughs> it's all a bad dream. That's right. the line of the day. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Shallon Steinberg. Well, I'm taking a night off from Chris Hayes, from uh, Rachel Maddow, from Lawrence O'Donnell, and I'm watching the Mets of New York Town in their wild card playoff take on the Giants. It's going to be tough because uh, Madison uh, Baumgartner will pitch, and he's the master of winning the big game. Uh, but I'm a Mets fan, but I have to confess something. If the Mets win, I'm rooting this year for the Chicago Cubs. I went to Northwestern. The Cubs have the greatest fans, as the Mets do too, but the Mets have won a few World Series. Cubs haven't won since 1908. I think it would be uh, great for the great game of baseball if the Cubs finally won a World Series. Uh, at the same time, uh, politically, my focus over the next few weeks, in addition to the presidential race, is uh, on the U.S. Senate races. I've endorsed Hillary Clinton for president, but I want a Republican Senate so that she will moderate some of her judicial picks and also not get any passage of that uh, estate tax bill she wants. So I'll be focusing on those Senate races and writing about them for News Talk Florida. All right, Alan, where can we find you on, on social media? On social media, you can find me on Facebook at Alan Joel Steinberg, the three names my parents gave me, A-L-A-N, one L. Uh, on Twitter, it's at A Steinberg 613. Uh, that 613 is the number of commandments in uh, the Jewish law. Thomas. I observe a couple of them. <laughs> At least 13, yes. Tom Jackson. I love Alan's handle. I think that that is just, that, is, that touches me. That touches me. Um, my Facebook uh, access is Tom Jackson, journalist, entrepreneur. And you can find me on Twitter. My handle is at Thomas Jacks Tampa, T-H-O-M-A-S-J-A-X. Tampa. Mr. Henderson. You can find me on Facebook at Joe Henderson Commentary Columns and Such. Or if you're so inclined, you can find me on Twitter at the initial J Henderson Tampa, T-A-M-P-A. All right. I'm Jim Williams. You can find me at NewstalkFlorida.com on our Twitter handle NTFLA underscore politics. That's NTFLA underscore politics at our Facebook page, which is NewstalkFlorida.com Facebook page. Um, we hope that you've enjoyed this edition of the Sunshine Boys podcast. For Alan Steinberg and myself, we wish you a Yashikoa Happy New Year to everyone. Uh, and uh, for Tom Jackson and Joe Henderson and Alan Steinberg, uh, and again, we wish uh, everyone very safe uh, time in Florida on the east and west coast because I know that rain can come across the state. Believe me, it, uh, you know you, you you can still get whacked on one side of the state, but still take some pretty decent rain on the uh, on the west coast as well. So be careful throughout all of Florida and all the way up and down the east coast. Be safe, and we'll be back with you very very soon. Hope you enjoyed the Politically Incorrect podcast with Joe Henderson, Tom Jackson, Alan Steinberg. I'm Jim Williams saying so long.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.